When life throws you a curveball, how are you going to handle adversity? Welcome to the Fearless Mindset Podcast, where you're about to go on a journey as I interview security, business, and entertainment leaders on what it takes to stay fearless. I'm your host, Mark Ludlow, and enjoy today's episode. Hello, folks. This is Mark Ludlow with the Fearless Mindset Podcast, and today we have an amazing guest coming from Europe. And uh, Gina joins us from over there in the big island of England. And uh, she has a very busy... No, you're not in England? (laughs) I'm in in the the other island called Ireland. My last name is... uh, I'm an American and I live in Dublin. So it's very confusing. (laughs) (laughs) But she's a global traveler. She's been around the world. And uh, if you're tuning in, uh, she is not a bodyguard. (laughs) <laughs> she's not a Navy SEAL. She's not special forces, but she's doing some amazing things just in the corporate world, which I think the audience will really find interesting and intriguing because she's done things completely opposite of most of what most of my guests have done. And that's why she's here. And I think she has an amazing skill set, a gift of communicating. And I'm very impressed. I'm very honored to have her on the show. And uh, she's going to tell some stories and uh, hit the hearts, inspire some folks that are getting laid off in the corporate world and uh, give you inspiration and hope. And that's why we have the podcast to inspire others to uh, get over their own fears. Thanks for that. Thanks, Mark. You know, I'm we talk about the communication stuff, and that is what I do. And I work with I've worked actually with the military branches. I've worked with folks in the Army in the United States. I've actually worked with the military in a couple other countries. I've worked with the defense forces here in Ireland, where I live now, as I mentioned. And it doesn't matter what country or what sector I'm working in, if it has human beings, Mm -hmm. my opportunity then is to help them feel more confident and more comfortable about how they communicate with their teammates with this certainly is important in security and in the military for obvious reasons, but also with themselves. And there are plenty of people out there who might be skilled in a number of competencies, but not feel as comfortable about how they can get out from behind themselves, maybe and share about themselves, how they can show sometimes vulnerability when they're talking about themselves, how they can even construct stories to connect with others. Some people are really rationally focused and they think I've got to connect on the information. I got to deliver the message. And they forget that if you don't capture a heart, you're not as likely to be successful with that information that you're trying to impart and that action that you're trying to get people to take. And so the applications in this are really for anybody, anywhere, anytime. Wow. Thanks for that. Shout out to our military folks globally. You know, everybody's there to defend their countries and law enforcement folks protecting their communities. And, you know, you said something very interesting on LinkedIn live this morning. You were on with uh, Sam Kelly, the Twitter goddess. And uh, you caught my ear when you said this, that right now we're in a uh, work culture environment of transaction because of the pandemic. And that kind of hit home with me. I'm like, wow, it kind of not triggered me, but it's like, you know what? She's so right. Because everybody's kind of in survival mode. They got out of the pandemic. 
and everything is like transactional. They're not making that emotional connection. Could you hit that a little bit more on what's happening with the corporate layoffs and stuff? And everybody's, you know, I live, I'm about a plane ride down to San Francisco for where I'm at right now in my studio. And there's been 30,000 people wiped out in the Bay Area alone. And the people going, oh, shoot, now what do I do? <laughs> yeah, I want to thank you for that for that reference. And here's what the context is that I hope okay. makes people feel more connected and not alone. I think what happened initially through lockdown and the pandemic and remote working and work from home is a couple of things. A lot of companies, not all the companies that were able to go online, of course, there are some types of jobs that weren't that weren't able to do that, essential workers and others. But I'm just going to talk in generalities for a second. People who once were going into an office and having these organic meetings around a hallway or at the coffee station or down in a in a brain in a brainstorm around a, a conference table, there was initially a lot of talk about well-being and let's get people together and have these virtual happy hours and have sessions for our employees that were that were working from home and that initially tried to make people feel better in a really that crisis time of uncertainty and then about a year and a half into it people were getting into more of a rhythm they were setting up their virtual backgrounds and some people were finding their little zoom room spaces they were setting them up and that's great but what happened is those happy hours and those check-ins and those well-being moments kind of went by the wayside and team members were talking to other team members when there was a project update. Bosses were talking to their employees when they had a review or when they needed a weekend a weekly check-in, but sometimes weekly check-ins would get pushed off to the next week and the next week. And we were finding ourselves that we were just doing our job and we weren't feeling engaged and we aren't connecting as people. And then, of course, as you mentioned, now there's that still uncertainty of, well, will I have my job? When is the last time I've, I've seen my my people, my teams are, I don't, I like coming to, I, I like working from home, but yet I'm also feeling really isolated. And I'm also not seeing my, my I'm not talking about to them in a friendlier way. And so now you add that, compound that on now with some people are being forced to go back into the office and there's uncertainty around that. Some people are feeling that they're not sure if they're going to even have a job and there's uncertainty around that. And it's just a time, a moment to call us back into action and to remind us that it's not too late, but it certainly is not too soon to start making real efforts to connect again. And so that takes effort planning, not waiting for someone else to make the first move, but you making that first move. And I think this is an opportunity that we need to grab hold of sooner rather than later. Yeah, I admire you and Sam embracing the LinkedIn platform. That's a great platform if you're, you know, looking for work and all that. So if folks listening, you don't have to be in the security industry and law enforcement. You can be in any industry and I would reach out to Sam and some influencers like Sam and I would shout out to her because she's the one to introduce Gina and I together. And Sam said, hey, why don't you have Gina on your show? I'm like, absolutely. You're a friend of mine. She's a friend of mine, too. So all good. But well, see, and, and this is exactly right, Mark. I mean, look, we not we might not run in the same circles, but we might have intersex, intersections or places that overlap. And that's where you never know where you mm -hmm. might help someone. Someone might be listening right now and think, you know what? I haven't been on LinkedIn because I didn't think that was an area for me. I'm Maybe I'm not using social media 
in a way that is beneficial. I thought it was a place on Twitter just to troll, or I thought LinkedIn was still a place where you're just putting up CVs and it's our resumes. And it's not, there are yeah. real people out there. If you take a moment to look at the groups that are on LinkedIn, for example, make some groups for yourself over on Twitter, find like-minded people or find areas that you think might be a place where you'd like to work or you'd like to learn or share more about and reach out. This is one of the things that I find so fascinating in the world, the, the communications world where I am is how many people forget that there's opportunity to access people that they would probably even just 20 years ago have no opportunity to. And there's a real demand on CEOs and other executives to be accessible, be transparent. So if you see someone over on LinkedIn that's in a field that you're interested in, I would absolutely follow them. I'd engage politely. I'd see if you can send them a message. You can even move things through to maybe having an introductory Zoom call or pick your platform of choice on your own. And sometimes people think, oh, if I'm not going through a recruiter or if I'm not referred from someone else, I'm not saying that you get on the very first tweet or the very first LinkedIn connection request and jump too many steps ahead because that's going to be off-putting and that's unnatural to someone who's on the receiving end. But with time, there are a lot more people I think that we can connect to than most of us probably give ourselves credit for. Absolutely. You know, like when I started my podcast, I think I had 2,000 followers two years ago. And now we're pushing, I don't know, over 6,000 now. But it's just, if you're offering help and giving your audience something, they're going to gravitate towards whatever you're giving them, especially on LinkedIn. Do you have any tips on LinkedIn, the do's and don'ts on LinkedIn to, to keep it clean? What, what's your advice to those well, folks who are yeah, trying to navigate that? Keep it clean. Um, <laughs> well, it's interesting. In the last 18 months or two years, really, since the whole move on LinkedIn and the pandemic and people were being more active. You've seen, as you we were talking already, now there's there are more features for one. So if you haven't been on LinkedIn for a while, get on there and go ahead and, and put a video on or put a photo on or share more about yourself. And I'm actually really impressed at what's happened on LinkedIn as it has evolved into a much more transparent personal platform, as I mentioned, while the comments largely are quite productive, quite constructive. And I think that's different than what you might see over on Twitter and on LinkedIn, or excuse me, on Facebook, where people might be more, more have a stronger tendency to, to troll or be really critical in a mean, in a mean way, which you don't see as much of that on LinkedIn. It's still, I believe, wrapped in a, a professional package, which is, which is nice. And by professional, I mean, citizenship style and community style, which is really not the same way. <laughs> and, and, so, and so use, use that and you can, you can uh -huh. reach out, you can do searches on LinkedIn and find for me, for example, because I work in a lot in the corporate area with executives who are wanting to do leadership communications around the strategy structure and the delivery techniques so that they can feel more confident in how they do those those areas for their colleagues or their employees, like I mentioned, I will be looking often for talent leaders or learning and development directors or people in the C-suite that I know are wanting to craft culture 
those are areas where I often are making introductions of myself. I talk a little bit about what I what I do and some of the clients I have. And then I simply say, I'd love to connect. And that's the first step. I mean, I don't ask somebody to marry me when I'm just introducing myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's important to remember people that take it easier. I often say I'm trying to plant seeds of positivity. And even if I have an introductory Zoom call with someone over time, potentially for business development, potentially for a chance to collaborate, but nevertheless, for a chance to get to know another human being on the planet where they are, and there's a benefit in that for sure. So I guess a suggestion to the guys, just because a girl reaches out to you on LinkedIn does not mean she's flirting with you or wants to <laughs> date you. <laughs> yes, yes. And, 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 well, and likewise, if a guy reaches out to me, keep it, keep it classy, people. I mean, really <laughs> what happens this is not Facebook. to you, but please keep it good. LinkedIn is not Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> swipe left or swipe right <laughs> no it's not but what I find uh, in, in in today's virtual world I think that there can be a tendency for sometimes people to jump mm -hmm. too quickly in their relationships and to think too much in, in, their, in a, a business relationship sure. here right? and you know you really need to go back to basics and think about the level of trust and consistency trust, yeah. And the, the duration of your relationships that you're able to, to really have some roots and not try to grow too quickly. You can, we see, we've seen what happened in the tech world when they grew too quickly. And then I had, now they have, <laughs> and now they have to scale back and not to be right. flipped about it, but that's the same sort of thing that we want to give ourselves. I think a little patience, mm -hmm. anybody out here who's listening, who's thinking about, I want to go on a diet or I want to get five new clients or I want to, increase my followers on some platform or I want to career progress, give yourself a little bit of patience, mm. mark your small victories, be kind to yourself. If you backslide or if you decide mm -hmm. that you're not going to do as, I don't know, eat some snacks one day, or you don't do as many LinkedIn connection outreaches that you'd like, or that you don't, practice your sentences or your messaging out loud any type of development program like anything else takes time takes practice but above all takes patience good advice to the audience listening and for the audience that doesn't know you gina you have an incredible background you are actually the, the audience probably doesn't even know this about you but you are a cnn reporter and you were weren't you global doing reporting yeah. global or just domestically <laughs> Yeah, yeah, way back. I'm I'm from the States, as I mentioned. I grew up in Indiana, and I graduated from Indiana University. And my first job out of school, I majored in political science and journalism, and I worked at the Orlando Sentinel right in Mickey Mouse land for a couple of years. So I worked as a journalist, and then I had an opportunity to move to Washington, D.C., and I worked briefly for the Democratic Party there. And that was very interesting because then I learned a lot about political backgrounds and, and opposition research and the campaign lifestyle. And it was interesting because this was in the 90s. And by the way, the Republicans and the Democrats were we were all really friendly at the low level. <laughs> <laughs> we were hanging out with everybody. <laughs> we had friends over at the RNC, the same as the DNC. We were all drinking at the same bars down on Capitol Hill. <laughs> and it was actually really nice. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and, and it's funny too, just 
another quick comment on this just for the sake of it. You know, sure. when I, I, I've lived in Egypt and worked with with democracy building organization. I actually was the first country director for the International Republican Institute in, in Cairo, working to help opposition parties and level the playing field out there and, and do a lot of training around that type of work. And what's fascinating to me is even though I had worked for the Democrats at that po- at that point, and now I was mm-hmm. working with the International Republican Institute, when you get overseas, you find that there's a lot less that is different. They between- don't care. Well, yeah, because we're we're we used to be. I mean, we we weren't so mean like we seem to be. That's vicious. It's so bad now. <laughs> but we, but the right and the left on a global yeah. scale in the from the mm-hmm. United States used to be really very centrist, and I and I've always liked yeah. that part. And so I True. think when you're out talking about best practices of storytelling, best practices mm. of how to try to connect with whomever your audience is, if you're mm-hmm. an issue campaign or you're going for an interview or you're trying to ask for promotion, it's all about communications and connections. Everything is. So these types of trainings and these skill sets really are global and really can help just about anybody. So I, after I left my career with the, with the party, I briefly, mm-hmm. I went over to work at the Fox station in DC and then Fox I became a writer. News yeah, Network. Thought, Holy yeah. crap. That's a bad word probably to some. Well, <laughs> equal opportunity frustrator for right. people out there. You can, you can, there you, go. you can not like me. It's, it's, you know, at the time it was journalism and we were, we were covering news in, in Washington. And how has that, that changed, Gina? I mean, journalism, has it changed in your yeah, eyes since you know, you've been in it? Yeah, interesting. What what has changed since when I when I was on CNN, which frankly ended in 2004. So that's the, just to date me there, <laughs> folks. Um, but at the time, there was not as much, I would say, um, popular what's the word i want i I would say there's there wasn't as much cult of personalities Mm. on 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 any of like msnbc or cnn or fox it was more about the news and less about the person delivering the news and so that became different probably it was evolving anyway but certainly when donald trump came on then they were they went really, nuts. Everybody was really picking sides and really grandizing mm. whatever side they were on to a way that I that frankly was very off putting. It was less about the news and more about the noise. And I often say that the first you know, this is a statistic that sure demonstrates the fact. But it's, right. CNN made their first billion dollar profit in 2016 or maybe it was 2017, but right after they had been covering Trump in a certain way. And so they, I had no idea about that. Yeah, And so at that time it was demonstrating that that style was at least working in terms of advertising. Again, Mm -hmm. the best way to try to, I think, get informed information or balance information is have multiple sources and not live in an echo chamber. And exactly. So, and you, this is platforms freedom of speech for you, Gina. So, you know, I, I have friends on left, friends on right. I'm a Marine Corps vet. I served under Bill Clinton. I was willing to die for my country. So that's why I tell people that listen to the podcast. And, you know, I have friends that are very extremely liberal, extremely right. And, you know, they're friends. I yeah. don't have to hate them, you know, because of a party affiliation. And, um, I have much respect for people in journalism like yourself and, uh, 
yeah, this is unfiltered. You can say, this is your platform. We want to hear about Gina's story. So feel free. Well, journalism, well, journalism for me, when I got into it, because I was, mm. yeah, like I said, a tiny little town in Indiana, I would read right. the headlines in faraway places. And I just got excited about the stories <laughs> and the date lines of where they were. And I thought, I like stories. I like reading things that are well-written. I want to do mm. that. I want to try to tell people's stories. I want to go to those places and see those things I've read about in headlines. Mm. Uh, for those of you out there that have, that are in the military and have actually been on the front lines, I initially naively thought the adrenaline and the high of being a war correspondent was sexy. Since that time, and I've never done it, I will say, I'm actually really, really, really grateful that I didn't because I'm I, I'm not made of that stuff. And I and, and I empathize with people who have been in battle because I think that's harrowing. I don't care how much you try to distance yourself from what's happening there. I think that's got to be just really. I remember one time when the Bosnian War was going on, I was overnight watching the, the raw feed come in on the wires and I had on the video and I had to, to be the one to take a bombing of an orphanage, raw footage, which was showing all sorts of things. And I had to be the one to pick the more sanitized version for 20 seconds that could be aired that morning for the newscast. And I was sitting in front of the editing bay just crying because it was just so awful and, and, and use and use, not useless, like, like pointless. And it just made me really sad. And I remember this woman walking by who was the executive producer at the time. And she turned to me and she said, if you don't toughen up, you're not going to be any good for this business. Wow. And, Did yeah, that rattle it, you? Well, pardon me? Did that rattle you? Well, it, yeah, because I mean, clearly it's a conversation I remember to this day. And I thought about it. I didn't have a quip at that point, but I thought about it since then. And I'm, I definitely think that I'm glad that I'm not, I'm glad that I'm sensitive enough to that, 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 that bothers me. I think that's part of humanity. I'm not saying that, that I'm, I'm not, I think it's a really a hard thing. And I think that when I am trying to teach and remind executives of the human beings that are working for them, who have families and who have hopes for those families and who are trying to make a better life for those families and for themselves. I think leaning into kindness is a real strength. And I think leaning into vulnerability is a real strength. And I find that some of the most powerful generals that I've interviewed or really seemingly strong physical types like head coach of Irish rugby, for example, they're strong because they're actually quite aware of how kind they can be and how thoughtful they can be and how compassionate they can be. And that actually, to me, is probably one of the biggest strengths a person can have. 